Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Amen. We're happy to be here this Sunday morning. Amen. It's always good to be in the house of God. And I want to welcome everybody here this morning, friends, family, uh, visitors, it's so good to be worshiping with you this Resurrection Sunday. This, this is a day, and we've already said it, that, that, that celebrates not just, or that remembers, not just the death of Jesus, but the life of Jesus, the, the power of Jesus over death that gives life to you and me. The scriptures say that by his stripes, we are healed. That means that, that, means that death no longer has that power over us for all those who find life in Jesus. And so, man, I, I praise the Lord for his sacrifice that was sufficient to cover a multitude of sins, to cover every one of my sins. And I praise the Lord for his victory over sin that wanted to defeat us. It wanted to separate us ult- uh, forever from the presence of God that would have ultimately led to our death. I don't want to spend a minute out of God's presence. I don't want to be a second where God is not. And because of Jesus, we never have to worry about that, man. And I'm, man, I'm, I'm pumped, man. I love, I love Resurrection Sunday, man. I, and our, our whole church, I think our whole church has been pumped for this weekend. If you're new here, let me just tell you, if you can't already tell, we are a church that loves to worship. We love to worship. And that's why, you know, you have some crazy people up here jumping around and stuff like that. And it might not be normal. <laughs> and it might, and it might not be normal to you, but we are a church that, that loves to worship. And four years ago, we decided that we were going to be more intentional about our worship. And so every quarter we end in a, in a, in a night of worship. And man, this past uh, Friday night, Good Friday, what a powerful time we had in the presence of God. It was, it was one for the books. I mean, we had freedom. We had deliverance, man. Uh, the, the spirit of God just came over this place. And, you know, there's no agenda. There's no sermon. It's just people that are hungry for a move of God. It was incredible. And then even Saturday morning, we had our, we had our prayer service here uh, with some of our leaders. And, and uh, man, even that was just, it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment in God's presence. And then we, we, uh, we celebrated with our community. Uh, we had our Easter event yesterday. We had over 250 members of the community come and, and, and we were able to connect to them. I was able to talk to a few of them. And, and that's what it's all about, bro. That's what it's about. If the church can't be a bridge for the community to Jesus, who will be? No one. And so the church has to step up and do more of these events. And, and I'm proud that, that we're doing that. And that's what we're about. At our, at our church. And I'm just kind of giving you a quick pitch of what we're about at Numa Church. We're about making a connection with people so that you can make the ultimate connection, the most important connection, and that is the connection with Jesus. There is no, there is no more important relationship that you can have than your relationship with God. More important than your relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with your doctor, with, with, your, with your counselor. There's no relationship more important to life than the one that you have with Jesus. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to stand with me. We're going to turn to the book of Mark, chapter 9. Mark 9, verses 14 through 24. If you don't have your Bibles here, I got you up here on the screen. I'm reading out of the ESV. And if you have it, give me a nice amen. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. This is not your typical Resurrection Sunday text that you might be expecting, but it's okay because God, God's got a word this morning. And it says this, it says, and when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, him, Jesus, they were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, why, uh, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And so I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it, is, uh, it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that this word would be directly, my God, from your mouth, Father. God, I pray that I would simply be a messenger, my God. I pray that nothing that comes from, from this platform, my God, would be from me, but only from you, Father. And I pray that you would give us soft hearts, my God. I pray that you would give us a moment, my God, where we become uh, receptive and sensitive to what your spirit wants to do, Lord. And I pray if there's anyone here this morning, my God, who doesn't have that relationship with you, I pray that at the very least they open up their heart and their mind this next uh 40, 45 minutes, my God, to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can be seated. Amen. If you're visiting here today, um, maybe this is your first time or maybe you're a regular visitor. Either case, man, we welcome you. Hopefully you feel the love in this room. I'm proud to pastor a church, man, that, that, that loves hard and cares hard. Um, be, uh, get connected. Get connected to the people here, man. We, we, have, we have a lot of great, great people uh, man, connect with Brother Larry right here, Sister Heather, the Medinas. They are the Numa Connect. Uh, they, they lead that ministry. And they, I, I go to them when I need somebody's name, when I need somebody's number, when I need somebody's social security number. They know everything about everybody. So connect with them. They're awesome people. And, and just, get, just get plugged into a church, man. If you don't have a church of your own, we have a lot uh, to offer. Um, but more than anything, we, we speak biblical truth. Because that's what's important. I can preach to you a, a feel-good sermon. And, and I know we have a lot, of, a lot of visitors today. And I can preach a message that would make you feel good. But it, it, it's not, if it's not the truth, you don't need it. And so I believe that the word, uh, the, uh, God has a word for you, for his people this morning. Um, I, was, I was doing some research earlier this week as, as to why so many people choose to come to church on a Resurrection Sunday. I know why I'm here, right? I know why many of us are here, but there's a reason they call Easter Sunday the Super Bowl of Sundays. It's because churches all across the world, all across America, they are full with people who don't normally attend church. This, this, is, not, this is not really a normal Sunday. Last week, we had a little bit less people. Next week, we might have a little bit less people. It's because there's a, there's a reason that people want to come to church Easter Sunday. They say that an average of six out of 10 Americans will go to church on Easter Sunday. That's a lot of people, man. That's 60%. That's more than half of the country attending some type of service 
on Easter Sunday. And as I was doing the research, there was three things that stuck out to me, three reasons uh, uh, why people come to church who don't normally come to church on Easter. Uh, tradition, family, and religion. Those three things. And so maybe you have come to church for as long as you can remember on Easter Sunday. You wake up and you put on your Sunday best and y'all look good today. Amen. And y'all, and y'all come to church and that's, that's what you just do every Sunday on Easter. That's tradition. Maybe it's a day that you spend with your family and you're going to you're going to spend the rest of the day with your family and the kids and they're going to do the the Easter stuff. But there's one member of your family who's like, "Okay, we're going to spend the day together, but you're going to go to church with me first. Right. We all have parents like that or maybe kids like that or a sibling like that. Okay, we're going to go to church first. That's family. Or maybe it's the one day of the year that you're you're reminded of your Christian faith. And so you want to pay homage to God by attending church on Easter Sunday. That's religion. I don't care why you're here today. I'm glad that you're here. But I will tell you one thing, and I'm usually a lot nicer to visitors, okay? It's not normal, but, but I'm, 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 pre- I'm really preaching more to the visitors this morning. And I want to tell you something. None of those things, if you're here for one of those reasons, tradition, family, religion, none of those things will save you. None of them. And now, you might be sitting here thinking, like, I didn't come here to be saved, I'm just here just to be here. I'm just here because my family brought me, right? You, you might be thinking, man, this dude is not even five minutes in the sermon. He's already judging me. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm not trying to judge you. You know what? Chances are you might be a better Christian than some Christians are. There's a lot of people on the world, man. There's a lot of people who don't have a relationship with Jesus that are better at serving the people that Jesus cared about better than Christians are. And so you might give more. You might care more. You might help people more. You might care for the needy more. And if that's true, thank you for doing the job that Christians are called to do. But not even good deeds will save you. The Bible says in John three sixteen through 18, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? He did not send his son to condemn the world, he came to, to, to save the world. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And there's a lot of other passages that speak to this point, but it's faith that moves the heart of God. It's faith that moves the heart of God. When, when Jesus was getting crucified, the Gospel of Luke tells us that there was a thief hanging Uh, on a cross next to Jesus. And we don't know anything about this man in scripture other than the fact that he was a thief who was being executed the same day as our Lord. And he was probably a professional criminal. He he was probably a wanted man. And I say that because uh, in in ancient Rome, a crucifixion was the highest form of punishment. So this, this guy, he was probably a professional criminal, a professional thief. And he probably made a lot of enemies in his life. He probably hurt a lot of people. But upon the last moment of his life, he looks over to Jesus and he acknowledges that he's a sinner and he knows that the punishment he is receiving is justified. And he tells Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Remember me because I deserve this moment. I deserve what's coming to me, but you don't. Remember me when you enter your kingdom. That simple request told Jesus that this man believed and who Jesus was. 
And Jesus tells him, today you will be with me in paradise. It didn't, it didn't matter. And Pastor Danny in the Spanish service, he made this point too. It didn't matter that he didn't really know any theology. It didn't matter that he hadn't been baptized in water. It didn't matter that he wasn't led in the sinner's prayer. Jesus saw the man's heart of belief and repentance. And on the very day of his death, that thief on the cross began to live for the very first time. It's belief, church. It's belief in who Jesus is that will save a person. And that's what I want to talk about the next few moments. Belief. Title of my sermon is Belief. Turn to the person next to you and ask them, do you believe? Come on, come on. Turn to the other person, tell them, do you believe? Come on, no one's too cool to not participate, right? Come on. I'll admit, man, when I'm sitting down and a preacher says, turn to your neighbor, tell them this, I'm like, I roll my eyes, like, come on, man, this is cheesy. But yet we do it, we still do it. (laughs) Belief, I want to talk about belief. We live in a time, church, where it's so hard to believe anything. We don't believe in anything, man. We live in a world where everyone is skeptical of everything. Can't trust the news. We can't trust the government. Can't trust the world leaders and, and business leaders. And we can't trust what you see on YouTube. And what we, we can't trust what you read on the internet. You can't believe someone's anecdotal evidence only given so that they can prove their point. We live in a world where you can't trust a lot of things. And that has resulted in a world of disbelief. It's gotten to the point where I don't... I don't even believe that a woman's eyelashes are her own, right? And y'all, y'all, I went there a little bit. If, if you're from the house, if you're from the house, you know that I have beef with fake eyelashes. Just, just wear real ones. Like, just God gave you eyelashes. You don't need to add to it, but that's a different sermon. And there's a sermon coming. There's a sermon coming. The Lord has something to say. <laughs> Can't believe anything, man. The other day I was, I was shopping for home insurance. Because that's what you do when you're an adult, an adult, right? You shop for home insurance. My, my insurance, man, it went up 1100 bucks this year. And I, I, yeah, I said, not today, Satan. And so I, uh, I started to shop insurance. And I had gotten this mailer that promised coverage that was really too good to be true. And I'm, I'm usually a pretty skeptical person by nature. So I, I was like, you know what? Yeah, right. I almost threw it away. I opened up the trash can to throw it away. And then the Christian kicked in. The faith kicked in. I said, you know what? Maybe this is the Lord trying to send me money and I'm about to throw away my blessing. I called that insurance company and it was too good to be true. <laughs> they quoted me even higher. <laughs> Can't believe anything, man. Can't believe anything. And, and it's, it's even hard to believe things even within the Christian community, even within the faith. People talk about miracles. People talk about healing. People talk about the supernatural. And even Christians are like, eh, I don't know. We live in a world where we just want to protect ourselves from lies, right? And that's, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Lies are destructive. Even when the person telling you believe that it's not a lie. Lies are a waste of our time. I don't want to commit to something for all of my life only to find out that it was a lie. And so for this reason, the Bible tells us to test every spirit. Don't just go around believing everything that you see and everything that you hear. But naturally, this has resulted in a world of disbelief. And as our world advances and new technologies are coming out and medicine progresses, the less likely we are to believe in things like the supernatural. And one of the biggest criticisms from atheists and and skeptics is that in the ancient world, everyone was religious. Because humans, we have to make sense of things 
that we don't understand. And in the ancient world, there was a lot of things going on that nobody understood. And so they just chalked up everything to some form of higher power. And there was a God for the ocean, and there was a God for the sun, and there was a God, uh, there was a God for, for the cosmos. There was a God for, for everything. But not today. We understand more things. We have better understanding of, of, of weather, weather patterns, right? Kind of, sometimes. We have a, we have a better understanding of, of sickness and diseases and mental illness, and we have an understanding of, of, of the universe more than we did a hundred years ago. And the more we understand, the less likely we are to believe in things that are incomprehensible. And so sometimes even Christians have a hard time believing that God is good because everything that they're going through doesn't make sense. Well, how can God be good and yet I'm suffering? Isn't he a good father? So either he's not good or I'm not his child. And if Christians have a hard time believing in godly things, how much less are non-godly people to believe in godly things? And I'm not, I'm not, this is not the time to convince you of God. You know, we can absolutely have those tougher conversations later. I welcome them. I love having them. This is not an attempt to get you to believe in God. I, I think most people in this room believe in God. I'm willing to bet that 99% of the people in this room believe in God or some type of divine power. Most people in this country believe in God. 65% of Americans in 2020 that were polled, 65% identified as a Christian. Now, I don't really, that term identify doesn't really hold a lot of weight with, with me. Because identify isn't the same thing as identity. You can, you can identify as a Christian and not have the identity of a Christian, right? God, God's not, you're not going to get up to heaven, and God's, God's not going to ask you, what do you identify as? Everybody's going to say, well, whatever you want me to identify as, I'm, I identify as a Christian. I'm a holy roller. I'm a prophet. God's not going to look. He's not going to ask that question. He's going to look at the heart and know what your identity is. And so maybe 65% of Americans say they believe in Jesus, but it's not the type of belief that saves a person. And I, I don't want you to get the idea today that simply believing that God exists will save you. And I know that's kind of, that sounds different than what I, what I said earlier. Earlier I said faith. All you need is faith in Jesus to be saved. But it's not, it's not just faith that he exists. It's not even just the belief that Jesus died for your sins it's not even the belief that God is good and that he loves you. All of that's included. But the Bible, the belief that the Bible talks about is belief in the name of Jesus. Somebody say in the name. In the name. Verse 18, one more time, pull it up real quick. It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Look at John 1, 11. It says, Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his what? Name. He gave the right to become children of God. Look at Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Look at 1 John 5, 13. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. There's something about the name Jesus. It's the name Jesus. There's that old gospel song by the, the great gospel legend, Rance Allen. Something about the name Jesus. Woo, that gives me chills, bro. Something about the name Jesus. Do you know it? It is the sweetest name. 
I know. There's something about the name, the name, the name. We speak the name of Jesus. And I know that when we read the phrase in the Bible, in the name of, it tends to, we, we, we read it with little significance. We kind of just gloss over it. But in the ancient world, the phrase in the name of would have been understood to entail everything about that person. Therefore, the name of Jesus is not just the name Jesus. It's the essence of his humanity. It is the essence of his divinity. It is what he taught. And as offensive as it may be, it is what Jesus did and why Jesus did it. To believe in the name of Jesus means to be subjected to the whole person of Jesus. That's what we talk about. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about belief. Belief in Jesus and in his totality of who he is. That is what saves a person because it is the name of Jesus that has power. The disciples, they were sent out to go and cast out uh, evil spirits and they come back to Jesus and they're all excited and they're happy with their report. They say, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Peter commanded the paralytic to stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. Jesus invites us to ask anything in his name and he will do it. Now, that last one, hold on, hold on. I got to preach on that one real quick because that was a little problematic for, for some Christians because we, we treat the phrase in the name of Jesus like it's a magic phrase. It's not a magic phrase. If it were that easy, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to be a millionaire. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to find me a wife. I'm going to find me a husband, right? We would just be saying in the name of Jesus over anything that we want. That's not, that's not what the verse means. It means ask anything that he has made available, anything that is in alignment with who Jesus is, his will, his purpose, his plan, and be confident that it will be done. And can I tell you today that it is the Lord's will that many of you would be set free and delivered. It is his will that you would be saved. He doesn't desire anyone to perish. But you have to surrender to the name of Jesus. To believe in the name of Jesus comes with surrendering to the name of Jesus. You can't have one without the other. It's not just I believe in God. It's not just a box that you check off when when you're asked of what your religious affiliation is. It's not what you identify as. It's about his identity in you. Some people want to take Jesus apart and, and keep the parts that don't offend them. When keep the parts that uh, agree with your lifestyle. Okay, caring for the needy, I can roll with that. I am the needy, right? <laughs> Give to the poor, I can agree to that. I am the poor, right? We take Jesus apart and we, we, we leave behind the parts that offend us. It's like me with, with, with cupcakes, man. I, I love cake. And this year I love cake a little too much. I had to go up a suit size. Nothing fit me. I had to go buy one yesterday, man. I know, man. But I love sweets. I love cake. But, but I mostly like cake for the icing. That's me. I don't care about the bread. So I'll, I'll take a cupcake and I'll just eat the top part of it and I'll throw the rest away. And some, some of you, you are like, what an animal. Like, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but I, I only want to eat the part that I like. The part that makes me feel better, the part that, that, that makes me stay under the carb and calorie count for the day, right? I don't, I don't want the whole thing. And can I tell you, look, I want you to hear this. There's a lot of people who own a Bible, 
There's a lot of people who say a prayer when things are going south in their lives. There's a lot of people who come to church on Easter Sunday. There's a lot of people who identify as Christians, but they haven't believed in the name of Jesus because they haven't yet surrendered to the name of Jesus. They haven't taken everything that Jesus is in them. You're just taking parts that you like. What if Jesus only sacrificed a part of himself? Would we, would we still praise him the way that we praise him? If Jesus said, you know what, just, just pierce my right hand. Left hand's my good hand. I believe Jesus was left-handed like me. What, what, if, what if Jesus just, what if he just sacrificed a little bit of himself? Would that be the same? Would it feel the same? Would we be as grateful? No, Jesus gave up all of himself. Right before he gave up his spirit, right before he said it is finished, he gave up his spirit. He surrendered his spirit. And so Jesus gave up all of himself. He expects us to do the same. And and, and believe me, man, I I know that surrendering to the name of Jesus, it requires a lot. And and you're not sure if you're comfortable with it. And there's there's still pieces, man, that that even I, I sometimes realize that I haven't given over to Jesus. Can I be honest? Sometimes I realize, man, there's, I haven't given this over to Jesus yet. I struggle with this too much. I haven't given it to Jesus. And for some people, you're, you're not sure you can accept all of it because Jesus is known for saying some pretty offensive things. And, and Jesus is known for crazy and, and Christians are crazy. I mean, you witnessed some crazy this morning and you weren't here Friday. And so, so maybe it's better that you don't surrender everything to Jesus. And maybe that's why you haven't. You believe God. You believe in who God is. You believe he exists. You believe that Jesus died for your sins. You believe that he loves you. And maybe you believe, well, if I'm a good person, that's all Jesus needs. But that's not what the scripture teaches. The scripture teaches surrender everything. Give everything. As he has given everything of himself. And surrendering is the scariest part of belief, man. It is the scariest part of faith. Faith will always cost you something. It will always cost you something. It will cost you moments of of anxiety. It will cost you moments of uh, where you have to stand up next to fear. It will cost you moments of loss. It will cost you moments of, uh, of having to give up your own will and your own desires. It will cost you your anger. There are times where I go to God angry because it hurts to keep walking in faith sometimes. Belief in the name of Jesus is hard because you don't always see the fullness of God in your life, but yet he still expects you to surrender. It's the hardest part of belief. I remember when, uh, I still remember the words of my father-in-law, what he said to me the, 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 the night when we got, I, I married his daughter. We were wrapping up the, the wedding and, uh, you know, we were, we were about to get into the car. We're about to head to the hotel and to, to, to go to sleep, to go to sleep. Cochinos, bro. We're going to go to sleep. And the next morning we had to wake up. We're going to go to our, to, 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 to Mexico for our honeymoon. And, and right before we get into the car, he, he kind of pulls me, not, not noticeably, it's not noticeably so, but he pulls me a little bit to the side and he, and he shakes my hand. And he looks at me right in the eye and the most serious voice I've ever heard my father-in-law speak in because he's not a very serious person. He's very, very fun, very goofy. Um, but he said, take care of my little girl. And I could just tell in that moment there was so much trust that this man had to give me to, to, to send off his daughter 
with me who would not only just take her out of the country for a week, but take her away from her home for the rest of her life after spending 24 years of her life under his care. That was a lot of trust that he had to give me in order to surrender his daughter at the altar. He had to, he had to believe in me enough. He had to believe in me enough to surrender his little girl to another man. I, I ain't going to give up my daughter for no chump, man. I'm giving up my daughter to someone I don't think I can trust. But you know what? Even, even if, I don't even want to think about this. I'll probably start crying. I, I'm such a softie when it comes to my girls. But even if, if, if Layla comes home one day with the greatest guy, like just like, 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 like me, right? Like if he comes, <laughs> she comes with, she comes home with like her daddy version, right? And I'm like, he's such a great guy. And I love him and I, I, I could see him as, as a son. Even then, it would be so hard for me to surrender my little girl. Even if I believe that he's going to be a good person and good to her. Belief is the hardest. Uh, surrendering is the scariest part of belief. And, and going back to our main text now. It says that there was a father who brought his son to be healed. The boy was tormented by this, this spirit. And... And, and the Bible says that he had suffered with it since birth. I, I love that, that scripture sometimes gives us the amount of time that these people suffered. There was a woman with the issue of blood. She suffered for 12 years. There was a paralytic man uh, that was healed by the disciples who was paralyzed for eight years. There was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. There was, a, there was the invalid man who suffered for 38 years. The depths of your roots do not matter to God. You hear me? The depths of your roots... It doesn't scare God. I mean, I mean, God can save, God can save you from the ugly that has haunted you since birth. Maybe it was something that mama dealt with. Maybe it's something that, that killed daddy. But God can deliver you. God is not scared by how ugly it is. I don't care how long you have dealt with it. I don't care if it's been in your family for generations. My God can, by the snap of his fingers, by the sound of his voice, defeat any demon, any devil that is holding a grip on you. It doesn't matter. Everything that becomes subject to the name of Jesus, it will come out. It will come out. And there's people in this room, Christian or not, who have been suffering for years with an issue that you wish you could just give up. But in your flesh, you can't. There's, there's a lifestyle that maybe you haven't been willing to let go as bad as you want to let go of it. But when you believe in the name of Jesus and you put everything under uh, everything that's been bounding you under his authority, chains are loosed and lives are transformed church. And can I tell you, if you're here in this room this morning, maybe you've tried everything. Maybe you've tried counseling. Maybe you've tried books. Maybe you've tried drugs. Maybe you've tried alcoholism. Maybe you've tried the experts and you've tried the friends and you've tried everything and everything that doesn't require a whole surrendering of self. But I promise you, I promise you, I can make this promise that when you begin to believe in the name of Jesus, things will begin to break. They will. I'm not. And look, I'm not here to tell you that every problem that you have is going to go away. I'm not. I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm not going to say that you're going to have prosperity tomorrow if you give your life to Jesus today. 
I'm not here to give you a a feel-good message of an easy life, but I can promise you life. I can promise you restoration. I I can promise you peace. Some of you haven't had peace in years. You haven't had peace in years. I can promise you hope in the Lord and freedom when you submit to the name of Jesus. But it begins with belief. Belief. And I know that it feels good when pastors get the the amens from the church. But I ain't even preaching to y'all this morning. God showed me this morning. God showed me a spirit. I don't even know if this is how you say the word of, of, of dormancy. Dormant spirit. A spirit that is unnoticeable, likes to stay under the radar so that when you confront it, you don't even know what you're casting out. And it looks, it looks like everything's okay. It looks like a good life. It looks like wealth. It looks like I don't need Jesus. But there's a spirit that is dormant, that wants to make you mute, that doesn't want you to talk about the struggles because if you talk about the struggle, all the Christians are going to come and lay hands and try to cast something out. But there is a spirit of dormancy, not just in the church, but in America that needs to come out. Because even even if you're believing the lie that everything is okay, your spirit is dead. There's a spirit of dormancy. But I know that when it becomes Subject to the name of Jesus, it will begin to manifest. It will begin to show its face and it will come out and there will be healing and there will be freedom. But it begins with belief. I can't make you believe. If you can't believe in who Jesus is, you won't surrender to who Jesus is. The man told Jesus, he said, I I believe. But. I love that Matthew was so keen to add this next part. Matthew was one of the disciples of Jesus, and he was probably there witnessing this event. And and Matthew sees this very human condition. He catches it. He's like, I got to record this. It wasn't just that he said, I believe, which was a requirement for Jesus to do the miracle. Matthew also feels a need to record the human condition of doubt. I believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. In other words, this man was bold enough to admit that even though he believed, he still had a little bit of doubt. Can I tell you that there's some Christians, man, who who, who possess the gift of immense faith? Corinthians talks about it. The gift of faith. I mean, some people really do be walking around with unwavering faith, unfazed by anything. Their house is on fire and they're just sitting on the couch. Everything's going to be all right. But that's not everybody. That's not every Christian. For for many Christians, I would say probably most Christians. And I want you you to, you're still with me, right? Got to check every now and then. Look, for most Christians, faith is slow. It's like this. Faith is, is hesitant. It's cautious. It's careful. 
because you don't want to make, you don't, you don't want to step on the wrong, the wrong part. You're going to fall. When Peter was walking on water, I, I imagine he was walking very, very carefully. I bet his legs were shaking a little bit. And that slowness, that hesitance, that caution is directly tied to a little bit of doubt. That's okay, though. Can I tell you that's okay? Can I tell you that's okay? Because some, some of you think, man, I've got to have all this faith in the world in order for God to heal me and God to save me. Can I tell you that just a little bit of faith is okay? God says, I can work with that. I can work with that. Jesus, Jesus says, all you need is a mustard seed size of faith. I can work with that. He said it in Matthew, Matthew 7. He said, if you have faith the size of mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to move and it will move. And let me tell you something. It's not, it's not that the mustard seed can move a mountain. It's that the mustard seed can grow into something powerful enough to move a mountain. You know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in real estate. And, and a lot of times we have to uproot trees that, that, that are breaking the foundation of the home. Because they're beginning to affect the foundation. The, the, the foundation of the house begins to break because of this massive tree's roots that have encroached beneath the surface of the house. But, but the massive tree didn't start off massive. It began as a seed. It started out small, almost nothing. And now it's breaking foundations of homes. And it sucks because it costs, costs us thousands of dollars. But that's what, that's what this verse it's talking about, it's talking about just a little bit of faith today can grow into bigger faith tomorrow, can grow into bigger faith tomorrow. And, by, and, and before you know it, you are moving mountains because your faith is so great. But it, it didn't start out like that. It didn't start. All he needed to have was a little bit of faith, a little bit of belief. Notice that Jesus didn't say, OK, I, I want you to come back when your faith is bigger. He didn't say that. He didn't say, come back when you have zero doubt. The man said, help my unbelief. And what did Jesus do? He helped his unbelief by doing the miracle. I know far too many people, far too many people, far too many loved ones who have never surrendered to God because they look at their life and they look at what they have to give up. Phone numbers I'm going to have to delete. Lifestyles I'm going to have to give up. Habits I'm going to have to change. They, I have to talk it over with my wife. There's always like a husband saying, I got to talk it over with my wife. And I I know it's funny, but it's true when it comes to salvation, because salvation is such a radical change. And like, okay, if I'm going to accept Jesus today, are you going to accept Jesus today? Are we both doing this? Because it's going to be kind of weird and kind of hard and kind of divisive if I'm coming to church, but you're not coming to church. I got to talk it over with my wife. And so, so many, so many times we, the, the, the gravitational pull of our current life is what keeps us from saying yes to Jesus. Because we don't, think, we, we don't think we're going to be able to escape it. We don't think we're going to be able to say no to those friends. We don't think that we're going to be able to say no to, to that addiction that has had me for such a long time. We don't, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell my wife I'm going to church. And she's like, no, we ain't going to church. We're going to brunch. I made an appointment. We don't. And so many of these things, it just it, it keeps us from surrendering to God. Jesus needs just a little bit of step of faith, just a small step of faith. All he needs is a little bit of faith to save you. And look, yes, that that takes work. Transformation doesn't happen overnight. You hear me? Nobody said amen to that one. 
Transformation doesn't happen overnight. Doesn't happen overnight. Doesn't happen overnight. If God delivered you from pornography, you might have to go home and throw away the laptop. You might, you might have to do some practical things to really realize the full transformation. Transformation doesn't happen overnight. It happens with little steps, baby steps of faith. And so my challenge to you today is this. Believe in Jesus enough for him to work out all the other elements of disbelief in your life. One more time, if you didn't catch it, believe in Jesus enough for him to work out all of the other elements of disbelief in your life. Believe God enough today that he can save your soul. And God wants nothing more than to save your soul. That's the whole purpose of, of the death of Jesus and his resurrection. He died a death that we were supposed to die. We were supposed to be that thief on the cross. Oh, man, if I identify with anything, I identify with the thief on the cross. Because that, that, that was me. That's, that's what I deserve. That's what you deserved. We are, we are so impure. We are so unholy. We are filthy rags compared to the glorious, perfect God. And Jesus died to wash us clean. All you have to do is believe in his name. And he will find life everlasting. All you have to do is believe and surrender to the person of Jesus. It's a big commitment. I've, I've already told you, it, it's, this isn't easy. The gospel is, it, it doesn't feel good. It's offensive. It's countercultural. I don't want to sugarcoat anything. This is, this is a big commitment, but it's just a small step of faith. And you know what's going to happen when you realize that God can save your soul? You know what's going to happen when you realize that God can save a wretched sinner like you and you begin to walk in the newness of who you are? You start to believe that God can do other things as well. You start to believe that God can save your marriage. If God saved me, he can save my marriage. If God saved me, he can deliver me from this sickness. You're going to start to believe that God can heal cancer. You're going to start to believe. You're going to start to believe that God can uh, drive out demons. You're going to start to believe that, that God can do impossible things. You're going to start to believe that a blind man can walk in this room and receive vision. You're going to believe in the most impossible things. But it just starts with the baby step of faith. Because with every step of faith, God is helping your unbelief. That's what he's doing. And it's only going to grow. It's only going to increase. But you can only get there when you take that first step and you surrender and you submit yourself to the name of Jesus. The very name, Jesus, that means salvation. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I'm about to, to wrap up. To everybody in this room. Living with Jesus or not, there, there is freedom here, man. There is freedom when you submit under his authority, when you submit everything to his authority, because everything is subject to his name. Peter preached in Acts chapter 4. He said, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's only Jesus, man. 
And I want to call you today. I want you to stand with me. I want to call you today to say yes to Jesus. And look, this, this is where, I think I said this last Easter, this, this is where all that I can do come to the end. Can't do anything else. I, I, I preached Jesus. I preached gospel. I preached what Jesus, what Jesus can do. But I can't take the step of faith for you. But I do want to make the invitation. I want to make the invitation for everybody who is, feels captive. Maybe there's a dormant spirit in you convincing you that everything is okay. Convincing you that there is no void. But I want you to hear me today. Life is only found in Jesus. Life is only found in Jesus. But you have to surrender to Jesus. You have to surrender it. You have to surrender everything. And I want to make that call this morning. I want to make that call this morning to anybody who knows that they need to lay down even a piece of them. This is for Christians as well. There is something that you have not yet put under the authority of Jesus. You're holding on to it. You haven't released it. And Jesus wants to take it away. Jesus can take it away. Jesus can. Just with the baby step of faith. And maybe, maybe you're overthinking it this morning. You're like, well, what, what, is, what is my family going to think about me? I haven't talked with my wife yet. I haven't talked to my husband yet. I don't know what my kids are going to think. I don't know what my parents are going to think. I, there, there's a lot to think about. No, there's nothing to think about. There's nothing to think about. If you are dead in the trespasses of your sin, there is only one road to life. Jesus says, I am it. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you want to put yourself under the authority of the name of Jesus and make him Lord over your life, and Lord, over your, your, your sickness, Lord, over your doubt, Lord, over, over your addictions. If that's you this morning, come forward. Come forward as the worship team sings this morning. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.